This is episode 91 of the It's Not About the Alcohol podcast. This episode is actually the second in a two-part series on how to heal instead of just coping with emotional triggers. So pause this episode if you have not yet listened to part one. I promise you that you need the background and the context to get the most out of this powerful episode on therapeutic mindfulness, which is a step-by-step process developed by trauma therapist Ruth Fearnow for quickly releasing suppressed emotions that are causing your panic attacks and mood swings and anger eruptions and any other illogical reaction that feels out of proportion to the situation. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach, helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. And we're back. I hope you took some time to integrate the information from the last episode. We covered the real reason why meditation doesn't change your life and also explained the difference between meditation and positive affirmations and what Ruth is terming therapeutic mindfulness. She explained how it is possible to quickly neutralize your anxiety, your fear, your anger, whatever other overwhelming negative emotions you're dealing with. It's possible to neutralize them at the energetic level without even having to figure out why you're upset and sit around navel gazing and talking about your feelings about your mother. And then also how this technique allows you to actually use your brain as a tool to heal your mind instead of letting your brain drive you crazy. And as we jump back into this episode, we're going to go right into Ruth guiding me through the five-step therapeutic mindfulness technique on some fear and uncertainty I am dealing with in my life right now with regards to my whole life turning upside down and everything's A, falling apart, or B, coming together. I can't even share everything that is going on in my life right now. It's too soon. But I am choosing to see the complete dissolution of everything that I have called normal as everything is coming together. Everything is happening for me. And not only that, I am happening to life. I am okay. And the reason I am okay is because I have done the work and learned how to manage the energy in my body that we refer to as emotions and to transmute it so that it is at my disposal instead of weighing me down and blocking me from seeing where it is that I need to be a year from now and what I need to do to get there. So you'll hear a few of the details here in a few minutes, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. But the story doesn't matter anyway. I am so dialed in to harnessing my own emotional power and regulating my nervous system and identifying my own limiting beliefs that that's taking my primary focus. And I tell you what, I feel more powerful at this time in my life than I ever have, despite the fact that I am under no illusion of certainty 
about anything. My whole entire life strategy in this moment is to stop thinking and to start feeling. And this therapeutic mindfulness is helping me understand how to best utilize my feelings. So enjoy part two of this episode. What I'm hearing you say is that there is a way to not swallow, not wallow, but to allow the feeling, go into the feeling, and that this process you're speaking of would allow you to resolve the feeling so that it does not continue to come back. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. We could, and it's funny, I love demonstrating this for people. We're going to be a lot on audio, but if you're offering to be a guinea pig, then I could maybe, you know, say out loud sometimes what I notice for you for people to hear. Okay. Because there's going to be some space to check, and then I'll check in at moments. So we can do it. All right. Let's try it. That sounds fun. And I think we could, I I am pretty good about articulating what I'm feeling. And so maybe people can walk away with a a really good example of this therapeutic mindfulness. Yeah. And, you know, I did write that book about it, but I also have free downloadable um, worksheets that are, that's the main process that's in the appendix. I would love for people to try it. And There's a lot of great stuff in the book, but the process that we're going to lay out here, they have access to it right now for free. And I'm, you know, I just want people to learn and and practice and use it. So let's see for you. You'd probably want to bring up something that creates maybe a response of a three to six out of 10. So if 10 is the worst pain, just because we're demonstrating maybe something that's like middle range. Mm -hmm. And it can be anything and you can share what it's about. You don't have to share what it's about, but do you have something in mind already? I think I have something we could work with. My husband is looking for a new job and we don't know where we're moving. And I have seven children (laughs) and kids in college and we're selling our lake home. And so this sense of uncertainty and separation, there's a lot of things coming up for me. And I am cognitively okay with it, but I do notice mm-hmm. that my stress tolerance is a little lower. And so I'm like, I could I could get to tears in less than 60 seconds on just some random thing. I don't know what I'm having for dinner. Like <laughs> I could be crying about that in yeah. 60 seconds. And so I know that this is something that... I'm trying to process, but I'm so busy with my work and then also, you know, packing and and other things that I don't have a lot of time to process it. Okay. So let's pick one aspect of it. Sometimes when I'm working in session to help get to the core or something, I'll ask a client, what's the worst part? But it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts and certainly for the future. Yes. Okay. Pick a spot. My my 21 year old daughter is in college. And if we, when we move, she won't have a home with me and she can be with her dad, but I am, I don't know how to feel about that. I'm very, I'm already like, I'm going to chop my arm off when I move. So that, so an image or a moment or something that would bring that up would be it's the weekend or a long weekend and she can't come home to you. It's not, you know, to be more specific. It is more of robbing her of a home base. I feel very guilty. Ooh. 
Oh gosh, guilt. Okay. So I'm robbing her of a home base that brings it up for you right now. And I see some reaction in your face right now. If that feeling's in your body, where do you feel that? It's in my chest area. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so but it brings up that... tears just thinking about it. So it's hard. Okay. So it gets very overwhelming, but I would say it's in my heart space. Okay. So look at your heart space and I'd like for you to imagine that feeling is its own entity. If it had a size, how big would it be right now? I'm, I am very bad at these things and I want to normalize that, but I would say <laughs> if I had to guess, I'm not very visual. And especially when you That's put okay. in three dimensional shapes, uh, I get very, I love words. I, I don't like shape. Medium large is fine. I don't mind any way you want to quantify. Uh, it, I would say it's an apple in my heart. Okay. So imagine that apple in your heart. If the apple had a color, what would that color be? Brown. Okay. If it had a weight, does it feel heavy? Yes. How heavy? Do Very you think? heavy. If I dropped it in the water, it would sink immediately as heavier than a rock. Wow. Okay. And if it had a temperature, would it run hot or cold for you? I think it's cold. Okay. If it had a texture, what would it be like to touch? Smooth. Okay. And considering how heavy it is, I'd imagine it's really dense if you were to try to. Yes. Okay. So I'd like for you to give all your attention. Notice how wide and long that where you actually feel that on your body, in your body. Mm -hmm. Notice that it's cold and dense and smooth and heavy and brown. Notice all of that. And now here's the part that's going to be a bit unusual. Stay with that apple and I want you to let it be there. Let it be there. Give it all the space it needs. Let it be heavy. Let it be cold. And notice that this apple feeling, it's a hurt part of you that's showing up. And by doing this, you're being with the hurt so it doesn't have to be alone. So let it be hurt. Let it be uncomfortable. And while you stay with that apple, what do you notice happening with it? It feels separate from my body from you yeah okay. like it's just so it's a separated. thing it's not me that's all right so notice that it feels separate did it move away from where your heart is no but it i guess it would have to it must have contracted a little bit because i feel like if this was an, an inanimate ad, object i could just reach in and pull it out. It feels removable. It's there, but it's okay. it, the, the edges and the placement of it are more defined and almost like mm -hmm. I could stick my hands around it. Okay. Yeah. So notice how defined it is. 
that it's kind of done that really strong definition that it has that. And we never force or try to make a feeling go away or move, but allow it to move if it's ready or to change and shift if it's ready. Your only job is to accept and observe what it's going to do. So whatever it wants to do, does it need to hang around? That's okay. Mm. Does it need to be heavy? What do you notice? I can't say that it's going away, but it's not as scary. It's more like a, a blister or something that has to heal, or I just have to accept that it's there. But it, it okay. does feel a lot less intense. Like I don't feel close to tears. Okay, so stay with that feeling now. So notice that it's not gone. It's still there. But it's shifted. It's less. And that's okay. So stay with it. Can I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. So I often get this when I do energy work is that I kind of describe trying to really focus on your emotions as like you're trying to nail jello to a tree. The more I look at it directly, the more it doesn't seem to be there. Like I've lost it. And the only way to keep it there is to go back into the story of how it is that I was feeling. So remind myself, mm -hmm. Anna's not going to have a home. Oh, and then there the feeling is. Does that make sense? I have to toggle back and forth between the story that keeps it alive because if I just focus on the energy, it goes away. So what we want to do is have the story not hurt anymore. Okay. So as part of the process, step five of the process is to check back in and see if anything else comes up. So we're going to review. So my question is, do you want to go back to theoretical topics or do you want to play this out and see where it goes? Let's play it out. Okay. So she's not going to have a home. I've taken her home. Go to your heart place. How big does the apple get now? How heavy, how intense, all that. It's more notice? like a styrofoam ball now. So it's not as heavy and dense? No. no. So there is a shift. Okay. Yes. So let's look at the styrofoam ball. What color is it now? White. Okay. Either I made it styrofoam, but. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And is it about the size of an apple right now? Yes. No, no. Hold on. Yeah. Stay with it. No, no. It's small, like a, a, a little bouncy ball, small. Okay. And that sounds a lot lighter than mm -hmm. what you had before. Okay. So notice that now you have a bouncy ball, bouncy styrofoam ball. <laughs> it's white. It's lighter. There's still a little bit there. There's a little pain there, but not like before. Stay with the pain. And I'm going to give you something a little extra. How about speak to it directly and say, I hear you. 
I see you're nervous. You're not alone. You're allowed to be here. You're allowed to be with me. I'm here. You're not alone. Yeah. It's okay for you to be here. Yes. You'll remind me that I need to figure out something for Anna to have a home base. It's a good reminder. Yeah. And you can remind, you can be reminded without crippling fear. Remember how fearful it was. So maybe go back in one more time to the styrofoam ball and just notice, let it know I will listen when I hear you. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to listen and how to honor this feeling. Mm. And one more thing, I want you to ask it, is there anything else you need to show me today about her not having a home? What else does it need to show you? Does it need to get heavy again or big or dark or move? Mm. So just check in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to rush to bring an answer. I feel at peace. What else does it have to show me? I don't want to perform because I could come up with something. I don't know. Amazing. Okay. But it that's so good. is there still just a little? Is there a little bit left there? Not really. No. Great. So I'm going to have you go to your body one more time. Okay. Notice what your heart is like right now without the apple. It's okay if it comes back, but right now I want you to do the mindfulness on how good it feels or how neutral. Notice breathing will probably be a bit more open. Chest is more open and light. Swallowing should be easy. Muscles around your heart center, probably relaxed. Are you identifying with these things? Yeah. 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 So just notice that when you have finished therapeutic mindfulness and your mind and your body are relaxed and you have that relief, this is the money right here. Stay with this. This feels so good and it's so rare we get to be with ourselves in full attention when we are at peace like this. So enjoy that for a moment. Yeah. Just so you guys know, I watched Colleen's face become so peaceful and almost glowing. And how long was that? 10 minutes? I, I don't even know. It was just... It's beautiful to watch the transformation. It just gives me all the warm fuzzies. That that was lovely. Thank you for being so brave. Thank you. And so what are expectations, which I know are the opposite of happiness, but doing something like that with a feeling like that, would then I be repeating that? Will it come back? Might it lessen or change? What are the typical results for therapeutic mindfulness? It's really interesting. I see a lot of things when it leaves your body. And whenever I've had anyone have a sensation of a feeling somehow leaving, it's left through fingertips, it's left through the top of people's heads. When that happens, if I go back to the target, it's gone. There's no emotion. 
And remember what we did, we've already proven that we didn't just distract you because I brought the statement back up again and you had stopped a little prematurely to resolve it. But when you check back in, it wasn't a heavy apple. It was a styrofoam ball. And, you know, so I already knew that it had improved. It was lighter in color, lighter in weight, then it was smaller. And then it soon it was gone. We didn't avoid when you go back to it, you should notice if you've improved and not avoided, then the feeling will be less intense in some way. And even when we stopped, you know, you said it was less intense and I'm like, let's go right back there. Let's check it. Yeah. And it was still less intense. So I knew that you had made progress on it. So for some people, it may take several sessions of this to get through like really big, heavy, deep stuff. You and I picked a very finite specific thing and we were able to get completely through it within, I I didn't check the clock, but I feel like it was 10, 15 minutes. So one of the Uh. coaching modalities that I use, like a self-coaching question is that here's where I would feel like there's a cherry on the top or something to complete it and talk to me about how you work with clients because I also would think Although to to speak to, you're saying that it could be potentially gone. It could be gone. I also would probably want to do the work myself to ask myself, how do I want to feel about this? And so that the story in my head changes because right now when we went into this, the story was Anna's not going to have a home. That's a story that elicits emotions. I'm going to need to relanguage that. I'm going to need to, you know, to ask a different question where the answer is not, oh, Anna doesn't have a home. So where do you place mindful or therapeutic mindfulness in with doing some of the cognitive storytelling that may also be necessary? I kind of see it like this. There are a lot of wonderful tools out there. In fact, at the end of my book, I talk about positive psychology. Here's some of the tools that people are used to, just in case you don't know about any of them. But one of the big points I'm trying to make is I'm not trying to say that any of the other tools aren't good. Mm -hmm. All the mindfulness stuff's good. I teach meditation. Some of the cognitive stuff is good. I teach affirmations, you know, retooling or changing the narrative. So there are a lot of wonderful tools that people teach. What I have seen is when you're in the middle of being upset, Mm -hmm. people don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a glaring hole in the self-help literature and in the toolbox of a lot of therapists. Not all, they are wonderful therapists, but even me as a new therapist, I didn't have this tool. This is recent, you know? So I just, people say, let it go. How, how I have to let it go now but you're not doing it because you're still talking about it. Like how? And we don't know. So the cognitive stuff, I want to make it separate from this because there's a lot of things that can happen when you're in your story that take a a better skill set. Some people may be able to work with that. Some people cannot. Some people need a therapist not to get caught up in their shame because the shame will block them from getting anywhere. So there are a lot of tools and I use some cognitive stuff. This is specifically, I have an emotion and it keeps coming up and I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. I have to work through it. I have to let it go. I have to feel my emotions. 
how, and this is supposed to be a big part of that answer. Yeah. So there are plenty other tools. I, I work with core beliefs. I work with what happened in childhood that's feeding this. I work with parts. I even talk a little bit of parts and core beliefs in my book. Those are valid, but the heavy childhood memory trauma stuff, I use EMDR for that most of the time. And I use a good bit of internal family systems but for the, like what people can do on their own without me, yes. that's this, that's therapeutic mindfulness. And when I've worked through a major issue that people have come to me for, and they've gotten comfortable with me, it's really easy to want to just keep your, what do you call it? Security blanket as a therapist, as someone to talk to every week, ever since I started teaching this, more people have no longer needed me because they don't need me for day-to-day stuff. Yeah. They might come back for the big guns, but day to day, they've got it because they know how to do this. I think something that can't go unsaid is that this requires you to stop, stop, drop, and feel. (laughs) You have to make time for it. The image that came to mind for myself when I was doing this is like a snake that's trying to digest the rat it just ate. Like you have to stop and let that thing be inside you and allow your body to, you know, reabsorb or release or whatever words you want to use. And I know for Mm -hmm. myself, this has been the hardest part, but once I got it, that this requires time and space and attention. You cannot do this at the red light on your way from chicken do- with your head cut off to being <laughs> late over here to let me, you know, continue to go and serve and provide. You have to stop and take the time. But what I love about the session that we just did was in 10 minutes, I feel like I digested an emotion. You know, that's not to say it's not going to still be, I I might have to do it again, but I'm comfortable with that. You know, I'll stop, drop and feel next time and I will go and I will use the steps that you just gave me. And then it probably won't even take 10 minutes, but 10 minutes seems like forever when you're in the middle of a panic attack. And yet at the same time, do you have time to take a, to have a panic attack? You know? I can tell you a story about that. I had a client that had been coming long enough that she had practiced this in session plenty of times. She knew the process. She had practiced it at home, but it wasn't a habit yet. And she's got a heavy trauma background and all that stuff. So one weekend, something happens on a Saturday night and she describes being on the bathroom floor all night crying and being in bed all day Sunday until she had to get to work. Monday and adult again. And then she just reset because she had to. And that was like most of her weekend. And so I said, you know, you could try this if this happens at home, maybe put the worksheets on your um, nightstand. So you remember it when it happens about three weeks later, something happened on a Friday night and she saw them on her bedstand, and she said, I'm going to try it. So she went in and it took her 30 minutes to go through the wave of emotion that came up. And you know, that's a big one because what you did was 10. She did 30 minutes heavily into this and it went away. And then later that night, another wave came through and she went right back in 10 minutes. So a total of 40 minutes and she was good for the weekend. It did not come back up. And I want to validate that. So last week I interviewed a gal who was talking about using EFT 
in this moment mm-hmm. and she she gave a twist on it. So later that night, I'm not going to I'm not making this up. I had a full on nervous breakdown, like legit old school nervous breakdown. I got really overwhelmed with work and I had relaunched my podcast and then all this moving stuff and I needed to cry. And I attended a breathwork session and it broke me open. It did not put me back together. So at the end of the session, I was like, ah, and I wanted it to be over. It was Friday goddamn night. And I'm, I've been working all week, you know, and the old me would have poured a glass of wine or turned on a movie. And I was like, nope, I'm not taking this shit show on the road. We're going to stay here till this is done. And I experienced exactly what you were talking about, very similar to what we did here, where there were waves And so I would let the feeling come up and I would cry it and I would feel it and I was tapping on it. I had a full on Mm -hmm. nervous breakdown and came back and made myself back in the kitchen back in time for dinner. It was like 35 minutes from breakdown to back up and rolling. And so when we look at it in that perspective where you don't have time to not do this, Because how much of a nightmare would my weekend have been if I had stuffed those tears down and stuffed all that energy and not taken the time to love myself enough to just feel it? Yeah. And I I love, I mean, it's a great story, but I love the end of that because, you know, you may remember when we were working together just now, one of the things I said was, you know, being with that feeling and it's, it really is like the kindest thing you can do for yourself. It's really a form of self-compassion that I'm going to come up and be present. This feeling is a part of me that's hurt. It's showing up in my body and I'm going to be present with it. I love how that's what, when we're hurt. I love how you directed me to say, I, I love you. I'm not going to leave you. You're not alone. Saying that to the feeling those, that's not a, a, a perspective or wording that I've ever used before. I really appreciated that. Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah. It's powerful. I got to tell you, our feelings, our hurt feelings need the nurturing. That This is how we do it. People talk about self-compassion. This is how we do it. In the end, the way we treat the feeling that comes up, and it might sound weird, it's a dumb little apple clutching my heart. What is that? You know, that would be a judgmental version of looking at that, but it, it doesn't make much sense. But it is a feeling that's expressing in this way that you can grasp. And um, when a part of you is hurt, the way we approach it and heal it is the same way as if we go to an adored child or pet that's hurt is you sit with it, give it, give them your attention, give them your heart and you just sit with them. You don't solve, you don't fix, you don't stuff. You just say, Hey, that's hard. Let me hold you. And this is how we hold our hurts. And it it really is, I think such a self nurturing. And that is what heals us in my opinion. For those of us that are heavy in the overthinking crowd, I think that is such profound advice that I don't have to fix it. You know, I love to tell my husband, quit mansplaining stuff to me or 
my husband, when he <laughs> sees me in pain, he just wants to fix it. You know, he sees me crying and five minutes later, he's ordered me something. He's Googled 10 things. And it's like, I just need Aww. to feel this feeling because he doesn't want to tolerate his feelings of discomfort. You know, I mean, I get that. But when I look at my own tendency to try to fix my feelings, for sure, those of us that are studying this mental health and healing journey, we tend to expect the through line is to fix it when really it's to just walk with it. And of course we want it to dissipate and go away and we don't want to live in pain. But I also think changing our expectations, there is no day that we wake up where whoop, and we're good. We solved all those problems. We're never going to have any bad feelings again. Like mental health is not the absence of emotional pain. It's the ability to process it in real time and not projectile vomit your shit all over everybody else. <laughs> Sounds like you clinched it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Did we cover the therapeutic mindfulness in terms of you, you said there was a five, there was a fifth step. Could you just list out if, if there are five steps? Sure. Again, this is fantastic. Since we got to demonstrate it for people, step one is find your target. Where's your pain point? We got that. That's my daughter doesn't, won't have a home. Step two is to describe the feeling in your body. If it had a size, if it had a weight, if it had a color, all those things. And you came up with this sense of an apple and that's around your heart and super heavy. Like I imagined, you know, dropping it in the water and it like falling like a chunk of hardened steel or something. I was like, whoa, that's heavy. So two is to describe three is to allow. Allowing is when I shifted your attention, you got all the description. I felt like you were probably focused on your body and out of the story. So step three is to allow, let it be there give it space. All these phrases that I use, these ideas, these concepts to help you be open to the experience rather than, you know, oh, this is uncomfortable. It's so terrible. Let yourself be uncomfortable. And it, I see the shift in you. And I see the shift when people go to, oh, okay, let it be uncomfortable. That's different. So three is to allow. Four is to repeat two and three. So what is it doing now? Describe it. Okay, let it be there. Okay, what's it now? It's a styrofoam ball. How funny is that? Okay, notice the ball. Let it be there. You know, give it space. What does it need to do next? So describe, it just goes back and forth. Describe and allow and is how you stay in your mindfulness space. And you just repeat that until it's time to stop. You have to go or until you think it's gone. When you do that, you can... Step five is to check in with the target. I think that my daughter won't have a home to go to. Does it come back up? No, it's gone. It really okay. is gone. Like <laughs> That's beautiful because I've said it a few times. Yeah. I do that on purpose so you can feel it and it doesn't come back up. No. That's when you know it's that there's up. other things around the move that will be bothersome to you, but that little tidbit. Yeah. Okay. That's so we bigger. have 2000 more. How much time do you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that you That's also said that it's a tidbit. How do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time and it's each <laughs> of the pain points in the context that they're in. And you just focus on that instead of expecting that the whole kit and caboodle is going to make sense and go away. 
we just work on one pain point at a time. And we have patience for the fact that there are probably more and new triggers from a new angle and boom, there it is again. And then you go through the process again. I think it's very important to understand that these are, this is a tapestry of emotions. This is not, you know, one little story, but it's, they're all wound up together in our hearts. Yes. And you unraveled one thread today and that's the work. Just one. And that's how we get happier. There's still a big old ball of tangled up cords, but we pulled out one. That's an analogy I work with my clients is there's a tangle of cords and you have to pull out one at a time, one at a time. Sounds right. So tell my listeners about the book that you wrote and how to find you. Easiest way is Amazon. It's called Therapeutic Mindfulness, a Healing Skill, Not a Coping Skill. Ooh. And coping skills are lovely short-term solutions. But to actually heal that, as they've noticed, I've purposefully said the phrase that was a trigger for you multiple times. And you're like, yeah, it's gone. That's a healing skill. Okay. So to highlight the difference between a coping skill and a healing skill, let me see if I can get this right. A coping skill would be the distraction or perhaps the meditation that, you know, regulates the nervous system or redirects you. The healing skill is kind of the root where you go into the root of the energy and then heal the source of the pain so that you don't have to distract yourself anymore. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I'll tell you a really easy way to tell whether you were coping or healing is, you know, people say I'm over it. Really? So if I bring it up, that won't bother you. No, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> it's Guilty. still emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, no, I've moved past it. Don't let me talk about it. And whereas when I'm done with this and I'm teaching someone for the first time, let's look directly at it. And if you can look directly at it and the pain is gone. Okay that's healing. So this process, mind or therapeutic mindfulness removes, or at least reduces the emotional charge so that you can talk about it. You can look at it, you can allow it to be, and it's no longer driving some sort of stress response in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it depends on how deep the issue you're working on it, it, the issue you're working on, if, you're working on your, some of your core beliefs that are with you that are your lifelong thing to work on. It might not get rid of it completely. It will reduce like smaller targets as you go and you can be working on that. And sometimes there's a very, there are specific things that it's gone completely. I've had multiple people have it be gone completely. So it does heal. And when we're reacting, it is because something is not healed. You know, when we're working from that place where we're irrational or upset, like I said, or like you said, you know, just removing a thread from the ball of yarn and healing that. But what, you know, what you just described, that's healed. And there's going to be other aspects of that situation. Because when you're telling me about it, I'm like, there's a lot of, you know, mommy things here. You might not feel guilt for taking her home away, but now there might be fear. How is she going to do that without the home? Now it's anxiety about her rather, you know, so what you healed is healed, but there are other things that can come up and that's just the work. That's just the work of removing our pain points and lowering the fear and becoming healthier, happier people. 
So you mentioned your book on Amazon. You also have a website or you mentioned worksheets. I'm sure some people are going to want to download the worksheets. Sure. So the book is actually all over the place. Amazon's an easy place for a lot of people, but my website is ruthfearnow.com. Fear now is how it sounds. F-E-A-R-N-O-W. Be afraid right now. <laughs> so on ruthfearnow.com, I have a link to the book. I have some podcasts up there and I have a downloads tab that has a lot of the worksheets from the appendix and it's got the basic process. It's got the body focusing questions. It has allowing phrases and it has a progress tracker. So you have the basics there. If you feel like you can face some emotions, it's got everything there for you to start. And then the book itself has troubleshooting tips. It has some of the mindset for self-compassion, which led to those allowing phrases. It's got it's funny. The chapter on how to do it is pretty short. The chapter on resistance in your mind is 26 pages long <laughs> because the resistance is nuts. It's got a basic chapter on positive psychology and some of those tools, you know, saying these are still valid. It's just, this is something else. So there's a lot of extra stuff in there, but the basic stuff you want to get started, you can start today. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and also your generous therapy that you've done on me. I feel so much better and I look forward to using that process because that's a multifaceted, pro you know, th that we are moving up our entire lives. It would be weird if I didn't have yeah. feelings. So of course, thank you so much. Yeah. You are so welcome. Thank you, Colleen. All right. So I hope that you found these episodes as powerful as I did, and I hope that you take some time to integrate what you've learned and to start practicing. I highly encourage you to get in the, the show notes and download Ruth's free guides on therapeutic mindfulness. They're super helpful. They There's a step-by-step process that goes deeper than we did in this episode. And there are also other downloads that help you with scripts and other tools. So really powerful and helpful and free. And I looked at them. They are not overly long or crazy. They're really helpful. I mean, you could download, I think there's five of them or so, download them, print them, and add them to your list of tools. And I want to let you know that this is the kind of work that we do inside the next chapter, which is my 12-week program for professional high-achieving women who think they have a drinking problem, when in reality, they have a thinking problem. Alcohol has just become a coping mechanism that is no longer working and actually working against you. And now the circumstances in your life with regards to alcohol and probably other things have become an invitation to heal. And the longer you misdiagnose the problem here as being your relationship with alcohol and not your relationship with yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit, your emotions, the longer you're going to stay stuck. And continuing to think that you need to take breaks from alcohol and reset your tolerance or change your behaviors and your habits with regards to alcohol those strategies are exactly what's blocking your ability to see that these symptoms have a purpose. Pain always has a purpose. And most of us wait until the pain is so bad we can no longer ignore it. 
because we think that either it'll never go away or that it means something is wrong with us or it means we have to make changes that we don't want to make. But the solution to any problem, be it alcohol or stress or overworking or relationship drama or whatever, the solution to any problem is to go deep inside to connect with your own intuition, to realize you have the power to choose where you put your focus and to live with intention so that you are choosing what happens next instead of just reacting and repeating the same thoughts and the same habits day in, day out. And I want to let you know that it's okay if you are feeling like you can't do this by yourself. If you are getting to a place where you're listening to the podcast and you're doing the things and you're making time for self-care, but it still feels like it's never going to end, you're never going to get better, things will never change, then that is when you should seek help and get support. You guys, I didn't get to where I'm at by sitting around and thinking or even listening to podcasts and reading books and writing in my journal. Like there's only so much you can do on your own. You can't think your way out of a thinking problem. It's like trying to do your hair and makeup without a mirror. I mean, you're kind of smearing stuff on, but how does it really look? You need people and conversation and new ideas and feedback and accountability and guidance when you get into the weeds. That is the power of coaching. I have had so much coaching and there is nothing more valuable than investing in your own mental health. You know, there can be no return on investment without an investment. You're investing time and energy and focus and money in the life you have now. How is that working for you? Are you ready to redirect your resources so that one year from now, you're in a different place? The women in my next chapter show up to multiple group calls every single week and put their butts in the hot seat when they're struggling and let me and the rest of the community see them. You know, vulnerability is so important in the process of healing because as long as you're trying to hide parts of yourself, then those parts are gonna continue to be suppressed and painful and subconsciously jerking you around. Retraining your brain to think differently, to respond differently to your emotions is how you escape the story that you're currently living in. It's how you reclaim your personal power. It is how you can know for sure that one year from now will look and feel different. So if I'm talking to you, get in the show notes and register for my free brain training for mindful drinking this Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. In that hour, I will give you the roadmap and the timeline and the tools that you need to change the way you think about alcohol and about everything. And as a gift for attending the training, you will be eligible to schedule a free discovery call with me. But I only offer this for women who have attended my training 
because otherwise I end up spending 45 minutes repeating all of the things I explain in the training. And so if you would like to speak with me and have me help you create a customized plan for how your life can look different in one year, attend the training Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you can't attend live, you can just watch the replay and then book the discovery call with me. I would love to meet you. Even if you know you're not interested in joining my program, I get so much out of these calls as well, because if you have attended the masterclass, we have a lot of intelligent, high-level things to talk about, and I always walk away with new ideas for podcast episodes, if nothing else. So if you are looking for a solution that is different than the solution you're assuming you have to take, which is probably to quit drinking forever or to go to AA, if you are looking to level up in your life, experience a quantum leap to heal and to grow and to get out of your own way, then attend this masterclass, the the brain training for mindful drinking and book a discovery call with me. Otherwise, you can find me on TikTok. I just changed my handle to it's not about the alcohol. I'm still on Instagram as at Recover with Colleen, as well as Facebook. I have a page so you can search for Recover with Colleen on Facebook. I also have a private group. I don't do much with that, but you would at least not miss anything I post. I may revive the group in the beginning of the year. We'll see. Um, And I may change my Instagram handle to it's not about the alcohol. We'll see. Um, But either way, you can find me on Instagram. And then if you want access to my storytelling workshops, my monthly breathwork session, and any other program that I'm offering that's low cost and free, maybe not, you know, my full 12-week program, but if you want access to those offers, get in the show notes and get on my email list. Now, if you've registered for the masterclass or you've registered for anything with me before, you're probably already on my email list. But if you haven't, get on my email list. I do not send a lot of emails. I send one a week that goes usually with the podcast and then only when I'm offering uh, an event that you might want to attend. So join my email list. Uh, if you're not coming to the training. And either way, take time after this episode to integrate what you've learned, to process it, and then to put it into practice. Because you don't learn from listening, you learn from experiencing. And that is also the power of working with me as a coach or in a community is you're going to practice this stuff and it's not going to work right the first time. And being able to work through the roadblocks and to diagnose the real problem and to get a different strategy or customized strategy that works for you is how we all move forward. You can't do this alone. So stop trying to do it alone. And I hope to meet you at some point. Reach out if you need anything. And I'll be back next week. Um, guys, I have so many great episodes. It's like I, a kid on Christmas morning. I've, I think the episode next week will be on autoimmune disorders. Um, the gut health episode blew up, thanks to everybody that listened to that. And evidently, there's a lot of interest in topics for you know not alcohol-related issues, chronic issues that we all struggle with. And we're getting to a point in our lives when we're realizing that holistic health is the solution because more pills, more procedures, just 
the more health care you get, the more you need. And when you're ready to take responsibility for your health, that is where these alternative modalities and energetic work and lifestyle changes come into play. And that is my passion to share with the world because I have healed my body, my brain, my life, my attitude, all of it through taking full responsibility for my health. And yeah, that's a lot of work. It's frustrating trial and error, but you know what's more work? Not doing that. So I'll see you next week.